reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, um, verses 1 to 26, which is on page 1066 of the Church Bibles. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord heard of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Nice to see you. Let's pray that God will speak to us from his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this very familiar story. And thank you, Lord, that you did strike up a conversation that changed that woman's life utterly. 
And we want to open our hearts and our minds to you this morning to give you permission to change our lives just in whatever way you like and to open our eyes to see you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got a Bible open or you uh, have got a Bible on your phone, I'd like you just to have one verse in front of you this morning. John chapter 4, verse 10. And I'll get to it, we'll get to it in just a moment. John chapter 4, verse 10. And I'll read it to you. Jesus answered the woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is a time of year where lots of people are newly arrived in Cambridge and they're church shopping and they're church hopping. And so we've made it our practice to make it easy for them, really, and to set out our stall. What are we up to here at Holy Trinity? What are we trying to do? Now, as I look around the congregation, praise the Lord, most of you are not church hopping. You are settled, which is marvelous. But it's good for us to remind ourselves what we exist for as a church. It's very easy, especially actually when we are in turbulent times of moving from one building to another and logistics climb all on top of us, just to remind us of what the main purposes are of Holy Trinity at All Saints. In fact, if you stopped and asked your friends, uh, not on a Sunday, but during the week, the people that you work with, the people that you uh, rub shoulders with, as it were, what do you think the point of church is? I'm guessing that most haven't got a clue because a lot of people are totally confused by what church is about. They uh, pretty much have sympathy for uh, the idea, well, a conversation I heard the other day of uh, some mothers who met unexpectedly at a bus stop. They hadn't seen each other for years. And they did what mothers would do in that situation. They asked about each other's children. And one said, you know, one said to the other, so what's Brian doing these days? And there was a rather a long pause. It got longer and longer. And then the mother said, uh, well, actually... Um, Brian's training to be a clergyman. And there was a very long pause. And the other mum said, that's odd. He was always such a happy chap. <laughs> Which gave away far too much. But the rather niche joke, if you can call it a joke, why did the Anglican cross the road? And the answer was, to get to the middle. <laughs> and, of course... The only thing that happens if you stand in the middle of a road is you get run over. That doesn't give you any idea what the church is for. Well, let me put it right out there. Obviously, our primary purpose is to please God. That's what we exist for. If ever what we were doing didn't please God, then we'd be on the wrong track. But that's such a broad aim and objective. I'm going to narrow it down this morning to make it more accessible to us, one of our primary focuses is to point people and connect people with Jesus Christ, individually and together on Sundays and midweek, always, to be a pointer to Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been following Christ for years, it's almost easy to forget there was a time when you didn't it's almost easy to forget the radical difference that it makes 
to live a life connected with Jesus Christ. But please don't forget what a radical difference it makes. And in this story of John chapter 4, we have an encounter which, as we just probe into it a little bit, I think we can remind each other there are four discoveries that everyone can make that completely change life around. And they are, I think, surprising discoveries. If we'd met this woman, I'm totally certain she would tell you that she was surprised by the conversation that day. First of all, she tells us this actually, she never expected to have a conversation with this Jewish-looking carpenter. She even interrupts him near the beginning of the conversation to say, Oi, what are you doing talking to me? Don't you know, I, I'm a Samaritan. You Jews don't talk to Samaritans. And pretty obviously, I'm a woman, and to be seen talking to me in the middle of the day, what are you doing talking to me exactly? And I raise that very obvious point because there are many people that we mixed with, many people who are our friends, who never imagined in a million years that God would ever want to speak into their lives. And actually, maybe we put that kind of label around some of our friends and family as well. I don't see God ever speaking into their life. Well, let this story tell us, don't prejudge for God. He can open the ears of anyone he wants. He can open the eyes of anyone he likes. Well, the first discovery I want to draw our attention to is in this verse 10. It's the opening thing that Jesus says to her. If only you knew the gift of God. If only you knew. The first surprise then is this. God has a gift for you and me. It's very simple, isn't it? But it, it's a surprise to many. God has a good gift for you and me. Many people have got the impression that to let God near their lives would be to let something horrid happen. If you got too close to God, everything that's pleasurable in life would be sucked out of you. The nearest thing you could encounter to one of Harry Potter's Dementors, that kind of idea. And I don't know where that idea comes from because you won't find it in the scriptures. But nevertheless, it is a kind of fear people have. So let's start with this point. God has a good gift for us. And he says to that woman, if you knew the gift of God, if only you knew the gift of God, well, what kind of gift do you think of when I say God has a gift for you? If you've been following Christ for some time, you know he's had many gifts showered upon you from him. I would say one of the obvious gifts is the gift of peace. It's the gift of being able to live with yourself. It's the gift of satisfaction. Have you ever encountered in your life a kind of restlessness? A kind of dis-ease? A realization that you have plenty, but you don't have enough. I don't really want to dwell on it, but with this woman in the course of the conversation, he puts his finger on a very sore spot for her. Her five failed relationships, her five failed marriages. Can you imagine? Husband number one, wedding day number one. I'm getting married to Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome. Life's going to be great. Failed. Husband number two, short, not so dark, pretty average. 
life's going to be great. Husband number three, not too tall, not too short, not particularly handsome, not ugly, complexion, forgot to look, does it matter? Fail. Husband number four, I got one, one more, so I should be counting my blessings. Husband number five, hey, I just thought, do you think there could be something wrong with me? One can only imagine that this woman actually was pretty broken. Commentators tell us that's why she was there in the middle of the day, not with any friends, because she was ostracized. But the first thing that God says to her is, I've got a gift for you. I have a gift for you. I haven't come to beat you up. I haven't come to tell you where you failed. I've got a gift for you. Satisfaction, peace. Let's move on to the next discovery. If you knew who it is that asks you for a drink, and then the sentence continues, if you knew who it was that you're talking to, if only you knew who Jesus is. That's absolutely central to the point of this church, that we can help people discover who Jesus is. Can you imagine how frustrating this encounter would have been if a woman had never discovered who Jesus was? It would be a bit like, say, in the college football grounds this afternoon, if a couple of football internationals came dressed in tracksuits and stood on the sidelines and they weren't recognized and not invited to play. It would be such a wasted opportunity. Or a young couple called William and Kate with a couple of children happen into church one day and sit in the middle and want to talk to people after the service over coffee and they're not recognized. We kick ourselves later and say, do you, do you not know who is with you this morning? And this is a much bigger deal. This is God coming and having a conversation with us. And this woman, Jesus stands and looks at her and says, if only you knew the opportunities you have today, if only you knew who's in front of you. And I think um, my story is pretty similar to many people's story, that we rejected Christianity without looking at Jesus. Someone once said to Oscar Wilde, why do you write people off at once? And he said, well, it saves a lot of time. Well, that's great, but it's not so much good advice when it comes to dealing with God, whom we're going to stand in front of one day. Have, is it possible we've written him off without even looking at him? Well, I just want to remind us that the story that you have of how you came to know Jesus is incredibly powerful. I know as I look out that so many people here this morning have got an incredibly personal story of how you've connected with Jesus Christ. And I wonder when the last time you actually shared that story was. And year by year, I tend to share my story at this time of year, partly because I want the congregation to understand that the guy who's leading the church actually knows Jesus personally, because that's what a Christian is. And you will know that uh, I had an argument with a friend when I was at university, I was 20 years old, and I was very confident in trying to dismiss my friend's faith. And at the end of this rather um, combative, one-sided conversation, in which I really tried to dismiss 
and discredit what I thought was Christianity, she asked me a very simple question. And it boiled down to this. She, the question came out of her mouth just like this. Have you ever read an account of Jesus' life for yourself? Because the thing you dismiss and the person I love are completely different. And I was very quiet when she said that because although I'd studied at school as one does, religions and the Christian faith, and although I'd been to loads of church services, I'd never actually sat down to read an account of Jesus' life and to decide on that. And uh, John's Gospel, which is the Gospel I read, I've got a copy of it here, it's very short. But in reading through John's Gospel, like this woman at the well, I got challenged. Challenged by the person of Jesus Christ. And I would advise you with your friends when you're trying to explain to them and they say, well, why do you go to church? One of the reasons is because it connects me with Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the person of Jesus. Let's talk about the difference it makes to be able to share your life with him. But let's also talk about how are you going to respond to what he did in his life? And I always get drawn back to the cross and how particularly difficult and awkward I felt at the idea that when I come face to face with God one day and he says, what do you make of my son? And in particular, what do you make of his death? One really needs a good answer to that. So that's the second thing. If only you knew him. And then he, Jesus says, you would have asked him. Here's the third discovery. We can ask God for things regularly. We can pray, in other words. I know there's a lot more to prayer than asking God for things. But before I was a follower of Christ, it never occurred to me to pray. Didn't know how to pray. Over the many years I've been following him, I've tried to make it my daily habit to spend time at prayer. And I'm not saying that prayer's easy. But I am saying that one of the gifts that God gives to his children is this gift of being able to speak to him and listen to him. And it becomes a life pattern, doesn't it? It's a pattern of trust. If only you knew who it was that was speaking to you, you would have asked him. And I want to encourage us, just as God's family, to brush up on our prayer lives, just very, very simply. To try and get back into the groove of coming before God, spending time with him, listening to him, and speaking to him. And fourthly, the discovery that changes our lives. We can ask him for living water. Again, in verse 10, you would have asked, and he would have given you living water. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. And you'll know, because you'll know this conversation well, you'll know that this is the time in the conversation where it pretty much parts tracks. The woman, looking at the well, thinks that Jesus is talking about this earthly water. But he isn't, is he? He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that can fully satisfy us, that makes us more alive than ever, that transforms us from the inside out, that brings with it all sorts of new characteristics of joy and generosity and fun. The disciples, this group of unschooled, ordinary men, who later turned the world upside down, full of the Spirit of God, the love of God. And that's at the heart of what we try to be as a church, 
God's spirit-filled people, offering people that kind of transformation. We want to say, don't we, come on in and taste the new wine. We may meet in a rather dull sort of building where the lighting's dreadful, but wait till you see the new building. But that's not the point. Come and meet Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if it's exactly fair to do this, but many people, and I rather like the idea, many people point to one tiny little detail in this story of Jesus and the woman at the well as significant for bringing about an, a token of a huge change. It's in verse 28. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town. There is a new way of life around the corner for those who follow Christ. Leaving that old way of life behind, she goes and talks to her friends and the people who lived in the village. And she says, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And we happen to know the postscript of a story. Many believed in him because of a woman's story. And they said to her, we know for ourselves this man really is the savior of the world. I know the points I've been making this morning to you are incredibly simple, but then the gospel isn't that complicated. It's like jewelry in our hands, given to us to share. We don't need to make it complicated. It, we can say to people, if only you knew the gift God has for you. We can patiently explain to people, if only you knew who Jesus is. You could ask him all sorts of things. We can encourage one another to pray and make our requests known to God. And we can do all we can to try and urge the Spirit of God to come and transform us individually and together, and then to transform the city that we live. That's what the church is for. Let's pray together. Lord, we know that this conversation was just the beginning of something new in the woman's life. We know the first time you ever spoke to us and got our attention was just the beginning of something new in our lives. And we pray that as we reflect on this story, we wouldn't just dismiss it as old hat, heard it all before. We pray that even today you could thrill us, Lord Jesus, with your presence. That we'd understand that as you're so deep, so complete, we'll never get to the bottom of you. We'll never fully know you. So there's more of you to know. Help us to look hard at you and receive from you. And we pray you'd help us when we seek to pray. And when we ask for more of your spirit in our lives, help us as we try to grow in Christ-likeness. And please, Lord, as we surrender this church to you afresh today, we ask that you would make us more like you and we really would live to please you, individually and together. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.